This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. All right, well, this is the last Sunday in uh, this year, and I'm glad to see you in the Lord's house. As Brother Charles was just praying, we pray that uh, more folks will make a decision to come to church and continue in church this year. We're going to pick back up with Jonah. We've been teaching on Jonah for just a little bit, and since it's been a while, we'll give you a quick refresher on what we've covered and then get into today's lesson. Uh, as we looked at the book of Jonah, and you can go ahead and turn that if you will, and uh, we, we're going to find that this book will give us a good spiritual checkup of ourselves. It will also help us remember that we should truly love our enemies. And it will also teach us, do we run away from the Lord when it comes to certain issues and things in our life? And so we, as we talk about Jonah and the to Jonah, we talked about the signs of uh, comparing Jonah with Jesus, and we will continue to do that. Jonah was the, became the sign, the Bible said, uh, when he spent three days and three nights in the fish, as well as Jesus would be signed to our generation, to you and me, of his death, burial, and resurrection. Of course, he was uh, three days in the tomb. So, we, we look at those things together. We'll continue to see how those things come together uh, in studying this book as well. And, you know, I'm finding out some more things as I study it and as I add to it uh, that really uh, I hadn't seen before, and I want to uh, bring pass those along to you because I, I really find them very fascinating and interesting. But... Uh, I don't want you to get tied up thinking about, oh, this is just a story about a great fish swallowing a man. It, it's, it's much more than that, and that's what we have to get our mindset to and have to what we have to remember because uh, it helps us develop, I think in this lesson, a greater appreciation of God's love for us. And we need to realize here, just like he pursued Jonah, he pursues people today. He doesn't give up on us. And I'm so thankful for that. We all mess up along the way. We all do things that the Lord isn't pleased with. And I'm thankful that he doesn't say, well, I'm done with that person. I don't want to talk to them no more. I don't want to work through them anymore. I don't want to let, uh, do anything with them anymore. But, you know, that, uh, that scripture says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so that we may continue with the work of the Lord. So we must do that. But this reluctant prophet here that we see of Jonah and what he did gives us a great example of what we see in a lot of people's lives today. So we want to look more uh, as, we, as we went through uh, Jonah chapter 1 and... Uh, we, let's, let's read those scriptures once again. We'll get down to where we, we need to be. And they'll put those up on the board. And uh, we'll get down to where we left off last time. I know it's been a little time. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the Amittai, saying, 
Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So you're seeing right away that the word of the Lord is what came to Jonah. It wasn't something he came up with. Matter of fact, Jonah didn't want anything to do with these Ninevites. He, he knew how wicked they were. And that's, that's one of the reasons we see him doing what he's going to do. He's running from that. He, he wants to go the opposite direction of that. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see how he's trying to get away from what God is asking him to do? He's trying to get out of God's presence. And a lot of people like that today. They, they want to, they come to a point in their life where they want to get out of God's presence. I, I firmly believe that's why many don't attend church faithfully. They know God's presence is here. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. So God's presence is here. So here they know that they, they come in the doors and God's presence is here and they realize, hey, I'm probably going to be convicted of some things in there. I'm probably going to uh, start to feel bad about being there in the presence of the Lord the way my life is. Well, that's all right. You're still in the right place, the right thing to do. So he's trying to flee. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And I showed you, we're seeing the progression of the word down. We're seeing him go down, down, down. Now, was it an accident that the, this storm came up? By no means. It was something the Lord already had planned as things go along here. But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. And so we're finding here that the, something is starting to happen. The mariners were afraid. And they cried every man to his God. Notice the little G. It wasn't the almighty God. It was their God. They had probably had many gods. And cast forth wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. And here's Jonah still going down. Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship and lay and was fast asleep. This, this guy could sleep through the storm. This guy could sleep through running from God. This guy could sleep through anything that's going on here. And he's just got his mind set up that he's going in the opposite direction. He's, he's going 2,500 miles towards Tarsus. He only needed to go 300 miles to get to Nineveh to do what God had called him to do. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon notice thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us and we will, and we will perish not. So they have come to a point that something's going on here. And only one person is not panicking, and that's Jonah. He's down there sleeping. Go wake this guy up and let's see what we can find out here. So that's what they begin to do. They said one to, a, to his own fellow, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and of course it fell upon Jonah. And I'm going to talk about that. That's something that I came across, and we'll bring it up in just a minute. But this is the thing they did. They woke him up, and they had a series of questions to ask him. They said, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What's your occupation? 
where comest thou? What is thy country? Of what people art thou? So they're just wanting to find out all they can about him. He had paid his fare. That was fine with him. They didn't care who he was when he got on the ship and what he was doing. But now things have changed. So they want to know some more about this guy. And they're figuring, hey, you might have something to do with it. And here they go casting lots. And sure enough, in their belief, when it fell upon Jonah, then they know something is going on. So they asked these series of questions and said, then tell us, they said, we pray thee for whose cause this evil is upon us. So these are the series of questions. Verse number nine. He said unto them, I am an Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who hath made the sea and the dry land. Notice he didn't really answer any of the other questions except maybe where he was from, and that he's a Hebrew. But the interesting thing that came out of his mouth was he saying, I fear the Lord. Now, we're looking at this, this story now and thinking, that doesn't add up, Jonah. If you fear God so much, what are you doing running? What are you doing uh, sleeping through this thing? I mean, we, we don't understand this who hath made the sea and the dry land. So he's explaining who the, who his God is. And so in verse number 10, he says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid. What made them so afraid? Because they realized this is a man of God. This is a guy here that his God is the Almighty. And, and, and now I don't, we don't know what's going to happen to us. What, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. How do they know that? <laughs> the last part of that verse says, because he told them. Can you imagine him sitting there telling the story? I fear the Lord God. But I want you fellows to know something. I'm running from God too. I'm running from his presence. So this is, this is something here that they really didn't want to hear. Verse number 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm? You remember all this, this, this conversation is going on. This, this is a raging storm. With the, they're getting ready to perish here. For the sea is wrought and was temptuous. Verse number 12. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, and so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest has come upon you. Isn't it interesting how Jonah knows? He knows exactly what's going on. And it's just like people today. When we know that things are happening around us bad, and we know that things are going downhill fast, and we know... we. No one has to tell us if we're not right with the Lord. We know that in our heart. We know what the Holy Spirit's convicted us of. We know what we need to do. And the same thing is going on here. He, he knows the thing about the storm. He knows why they're going through everything they have so far. He knows all of this is taking place, and it's because of Him. So what a request. You throw me here into the, to the water. Now, did they just turn around and say, you got it, buddy. Grab him by the seat of the pants and over the side it goes. They did not want to do that. Remember, they know he's a man of God. Well, my goodness, 
we throw him into the sea, then what's going to happen to us? So they don't give up. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and it was tempestuous against it. It was of no avail for them to row. I mean, they're not going to get nowhere this way. So then verse number 14, and this is where we left off. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, and notice these are, these are men who don't believe in God. These are men who don't even know the Lord God. These are men that have their own gods. But look at the change already to second place. They cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleaseth thee. They did not want to do that. Do you know of somewhere in the Bible where a scripture says, Lord, don't lay this charge against them? for they know not what they do. Doesn't that sound familiar? Let's look at uh, Luke 23, 34. And this is something, two things in this verse <clears throat> that I found interesting. <clears throat> Luke 23 and verse number 34. Then said Jesus, this is him, Jesus, all ready to go to Calvary, ready to be, he's going to be crucified there. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How in the world could Jesus pray a prayer like that to his Father and say, forgive these people for what they're doing to me? They don't even know what they're doing. And here, the sailor, remember the sailors are saying, Lord, we beseech thee, please forgive us for what we're about to do to this man of God here. Please forgive us. Now, you remember the thing how they found out who Jonah was to begin with? They cast those lots and it fell upon Jonah. And I'm beginning to think that we're comparing Jesus with Jonah. Look at the last part of that verse. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. Isn't that, isn't that neat? As we compare the two together and see those, it's just, I found it interesting to see those two things. It happened with Jonah and it happened with Jesus. So we're finding here that as we go back to Jonah and, and look at chapter 1, verse number 15, we see that they, what they are, have decided is going to have to happen, they're going to have to do. And so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea and look what happened right away. The sea ceased from her raging. And in verse number 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and look at this, offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You know what's happened here? These mariners became Jonah's first converts. And Jonah, he didn't come on that to do that. But remember, he's a man of God, already sent on a mission to, to Nineveh to preach repentance. Here he is, 
And these men are recognizing he's a man of God, that there is a God. They've cast him in the sea. They saw the sea, the raging storm stop immediately. And they said, wow. This is, this is something here. I don't know what they used to offer a sacrifice with. I don't know what they had to do that. The Bible doesn't say that. But they even hit them to that point to where they have a fear of the Lord. They offered a sacrifice. And not only that, it's not just something here that's going to be a split minute and then it's over with. They are making vows to the Lord. They are saying, we're going to serve you, Lord. We're going to be your, we're going to be indebted to you for the rest of our life. They making a vow to the Lord. And that's very important to realize the kind of effect that they're having here. <coughs> we all know what happens to Jonah coming up. But I want to pause for just a minute and remember what I said back at the beginning of the introduction here to the book of Jonah. We need to see God's relentless love for people. You know, when Jonah made up his mind, said, hey, I ain't heading, I'm not going down to Nineveh. Then God could have said, that's fine. I'm writing you off, buddy. I'm done with you. You just go on with your life, do what you want to do. I'll find someone else to go down to Nineveh. But that's not what God wanted. God wanted him to go, and he did not give up on him. You're seeing all the things that he's bringing into his, this picture, wherever he's running and however he's running, that God's still right there going after him. <clears throat> and I thought about that. We see people fall out of attending church. We, see, we have friends. We have people all around us that we don't see serving the Lord like they used to serve the Lord. And many times... I think we're guilty of giving up on them. We should never give up on them. God's not going to give up on them. We shouldn't give up on them. We should pray earnestly for that person. That they recognize that God still loves them, that there is forgiveness, and that they need to get back in the right place they were with God, first of all. And so we see here that... <clears throat> as the theme is starting to go through this book of Jonah, God does not give up on us even when we give up on Him. That's the difference between us and God. It's easy for me to give up on somebody and say, you know what, I, I'm, just, I'm just done with you and for now, uh, don't, don't call me, don't contact me, don't ask me to pray for you, I, I'm just done with you. And when you get yourself straight and you get right and everything is right, then I'll pr start praying for you. Then I hope to, that something great will happen in your life. And that's the way we are many times. God isn't like that. Now, God is not going to smile on their sin and He's not going to bless them when they're in sin. He's not going to do the things that, that we receive as children of God that are faithfully serving Him. But he's not given up on them either. And he's not given up on Jonah. You know, the, John 3.16, we all know that verse, but it, as I read that verse over and over again, I'm a believer that 
I don't care how many times it's taught, how many times it's preached on, there's still something in that verse that we see afresh over and over again. For God so loved the world. We cannot forget that word love there to begin with. That, this whole thing of Christ coming to earth wouldn't have happened if God hadn't loved the world so much. Did he love a world that was nice and people were kind and people were living right? No. He loved a world that was sinful, people that do, do wrong, people that do un, unbelievable things in the world today, and yet God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't say it's going to cost you this, you've got to pay this, you've got to do this. This gift came because God loved us and he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that word means that it will cover anyone that wants to come to the cross and receive forgiveness of sins and accept Christ. And not only that, but they won't perish, but he's going to turn around and give them everlasting life. That is the love of God that is so great that we can't understand it. I don't know how God could love people like we are down here on this earth, but he does. <clears throat> and so, once again, and Romans 5, 8, we'll put that scripture on with it. God commendeth his love toward who? Us. Did he wait till we were all straight and good and cleaned up? And that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. That is the love of God. Those two verses really talk about the love of God. So we have to remember that. Now, let's think about these mariners on this ship. These men got on that ship, headed for Tarsus that day, just like any other day. They probably went many places on that water, different areas. Maybe they made the same trip to Tarshish many days. I, I don't know, but this thing, the thing is, did they know that day it was going to change their life forever? They certainly did not. They were going to have a divine appointment with the Lord that day. And I think about that when it comes to people. We, have, we know people we've prayed for, witnessed to, and we're hoping and praying that they will get saved. And we're thinking, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but did you know on a certain day that none of us know could be that divine appointment today? You know, somebody could walk into service this morning, this is their divine appointment day, where they're going to hear about Christ and it's going to sink in for the first time and they're going to realize they're lost. This could be their day today. That's the marvelous thing about it. And just like that person you've been praying for for so long, that certain day could come around at any time. So don't give up on them. These men certainly didn't know it was going to happen that day, but it did. And so we're going to find out here exactly what's going to continue to go on. But it was uh, only the beginning of this story, really. God hadn't given up on Jonah either, and I'm so thankful of that. Now, we finish out Jonah chapter 1 with verse number 17. And we find here in this, in this verse of uh, Jonah 1, 17, they'll get that up on the board. We learn that God had appointed, notice the Lord had prepared. Once again, it wasn't an accident that a great fish was right there beside the ship when they began to throw Jonah over. He had prepared that. 
and swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So this is the first of the three times in this book of Jonah that we're going to see God uses His sovereign control over His creation to intervene in Jonah's life. It's to teach Jonah something. It's to let Jonah know, yeah, I know you're running. I know where you are. But I also want you to know that I still love you. I still know that you can do what I've called you to do. And I'm not going to give up on you. So earlier I pointed out that we are a lot more like Jonah than we care to admit. So I want to, uh, once again, bring in a few scriptures here before we get into chapter 2. Because I want to share some of the things, the lessons that we can learn from already what we've seen. And this is the thing. Hopefully it will prevent us from making the same mistakes. Because we can all do that. So I want, number one, to say this. God still speaks today. God still speaks. Now what did we see back at the beginning? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, I believe it came in an audible voice to Jonah, which it did many times in the Old Testament to prophets. It did it to many great people that were in the Bible. The word of the Lord came as a spoken word. Now, although God probably won't come and speak audibly to us today because he He just doesn't work that way today. I, I begin to think about that. If, if in our daily routine, God all of a sudden showed up and spoke to you all about, I believe it put some of us in so much shock, we wouldn't know what to do. But he doesn't, he doesn't use that avenue today, but he has many other avenues to continue to speak to us. I can't possibly cover all the ways that God speaks, but I want to uh, just cover a few of them and let us think about that in our day-to-day walk with him. He does speak to us through His creation. Through His creation. They'll put Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Because as He, as he uh, clarifies in these scriptures here, because that which may be known of God is manifest. That means make known to them. For God has showed it unto them. And then in verse 20. <coughs> For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, look at that, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we or so that they are without excuse. I think we are without excuse. We can't, in other words, we can't say God's not speaking to us. We can't say that. See, that, that's the thing that some people would say. I haven't heard from God. I don't, I, God's not speaking to me and He's not telling me what's going on in my life and the circumstances I'm going through. That, that's wrong. In fact, that scripture says, how is He speaking to us? Number one way is by the things that we see all around us. You can't tell me that you look at this beautiful world that He's created and see the things that are created here by God that only God could do. 
And as we see even in nature, whether it be in the things that we've, they've created, we see things all around us. And people can know that there is a God just by the things that we see. And that's what it's talking about here. Clearly seen. There are people who live out in very rural areas, far away from any church building. And I've heard it said many times, my church is out in the wilderness, out in the woods, out by the streams, out, out where I can nature. I, I, I listen to God out there. I see what, he, what He's created and I have great worship time with Him out there. And I believe that. Now, I don't think that's an excuse for us that live in town where there's a church on every corner and every street almost. We have church buildings we can go to. There's not a lot of beautiful areas around in town many times. But I'm glad I can walk in God's house, feel His presence. I've come to receive something from Him and I know He's going to be here. But creation speaks to us today. We know that God is speaking to us through His creation. It's often referred to as a general revelation. So we can learn a lot about the nature of God just by observing His creation. And we can see that God is a creative God. What do I mean by that? We see the beauty. We see things in order, how He's created it. We see a God that loves us so much, He has created a beautiful place for us to live on this earth. And the things that are not beautiful on the earth is where sin has come into the picture and mankind has tried to destroy things. That's for sure. That's not of God. So we know that He speaks to us. So He was speaking to Jonah clearly. Jonah knew what he was running from. He knew exactly. He told those mariners exactly the problem here, the why the storm, why this is going on, what you need to do. He knew all that. So we need to realize, just like the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the Word of the Lord can come to us as well. Secondly, He speaks to us through circumstances. Through circumstances. And this is a good one here. Because I want us to realize we need to be careful about saying this is what God wants me to do because this is a circumstance He put me in and why things are happening around us. We have to be careful of that because who else can use circumstances? Satan can. Satan can use circumstances in your life. So that's why your spirit needs to bear witness with his spirit to know it's from God. You've got a peace about what you're doing. So we need to realize that. Certainly, God used circumstances to speak to these sailors aboard. These sailors were converted on board. They went from a non-existence of knowing God to making prayers and vows and sacrifices to the Lord. That's the difference that it made because of the circumstance of the storm and everything that is happening aboard that ship. I want you to get John 21, and we want to look at verse number 4. Here's a circumstance here that you probably remember in the Word of God. 
But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples noticed this. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They didn't know He was on the shore. Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered Him, No. And He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were able, not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that's John, Is it the Lord? You see that question? Is it the Lord? They saw Him on the shore, they heard Him speak, and now they say, Is it the Lord? When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, or excuse me, it is the Lord, he made the statement. It is the Lord. He recognized it then. It was the Lord, I guess, by him speaking. Simon Peter heard it was the Lord. He girded his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals, and there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land full of great fish, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And notice this, Jesus said unto them, Come and dine, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? What did it take for them to know that it was the Lord there? It took a circumstance. It took a fishing miracle. These guys had fished all night long, they hadn't caught nothing. And here's somebody on the shore, they just cast it over there on the right side. They could have said, well, we didn't cast on every side all night long. We ain't going to need doing that again. They would have missed out on it. But they obeyed, did what he asked, recognized it was the Lord, and so here they are dining and having breakfast with him on the shore. On the shore. God still speaks through circumstances. And we need to realize sometimes as God opens that door for you and me to do whatever He's called us to do, we need to stop and say, yes, Lord, I know that You. I know that You've put me in this situation. You've put me with this person. You've done put me in this place, and it's for a reason. And I'm going to listen to You and follow You in that direction. Jonah did the exact opposite, but the Lord got his attention. <clears throat> and now... He is in a situation. The third one I want to say is He speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I taught 13 lessons on the Holy Spirit. Those of you and I that are Christians, we know the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. And we also know that He speaks to us many, many times. Whether it's a time of direction a correction, a time to conviction. It just could be a number of things. Jesus promised that when the Holy Spirit comes, it would lead us, it would guide us, and we don't have to worry about leading or guiding us in the wrong direction. It said He will lead us in truth, the right way. 
You remember Paul reminded us that even the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf when we don't even know how to pray for a situation. That means when you know facing something where you just don't know the words to say, you don't know exactly how to pray about it, sometimes somebody just gives you vague description of what's going on and you don't have the details, you don't know exactly how to pray, but you can say, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to pray, help me pray the right words. You, you bring the right words before the Father that need to be on this situation. But I'm praying for them. So the Holy Spirit will do that, and it also uses our conscience many times as our guide. Our time is running out. The last, the last, the last one other that I want to is the primary way that God speaks, and you may know this already. But He speaks to us through His Word. Through His Word. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. I mean, the Word of God will meet every need that we have, every situation that's in our life. And we need to remember when we open up God's Word, we need to say, Father, speak to me through your Word what I need to have today. You know what I'm facing. You know what I'm going through. Give me the Scriptures that I need today. Colossians 3.16, we'll end with this Scripture here. As far as Scripture-wise, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Look, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let it dwell in you richly. That's the only way. We, we can't have our Bible folded with our hand on top of it and expect the Lord to speak to us through His Word. We can't slide the pillow, the, the Bible under our pillow at night and sleep on it and thinking, that's how he's, I'm going to get something out of God's Word. It's not going to happen that way. We've got to open it up. We've got to read it. We've got to meditate upon it. We've got to let Holy Spirit guide us to the things that are being said there. And sometimes it means reading it over and over and over again, the same thing, till we get it to what the Lord is trying to say. And you know the thing is, many people say they want to hear God speak to them. But the best test of whether it's really true is whether I'm spending time in God's Word on a regular basis. That's the best test. In fact, I would go so far to say, if you're not reading, if you're not studying, meditating, even memorizing Scripture on a regular basis, I would have to question whether you really want to hear God speak to you or not. Right? I, it's not going to happen. That's how He speaks to us in the greatest way. And one of the reasons that some of us are reluctant to hear God speak like that is just like Jonah. We know that when God speaks to us, we've got to make a choice. If I open His Word and that's, I read that and it's speaking loudly to me and telling me what I need to do, at that point, I close that book up and I either say, well, that, that was nice for someone else. 
Oh, that isn't comfortable for me. That isn't what I wanted to hear. I'm making a choice right there. Oh, either I'm saying, well, Lord, that's not going to be easy for me. That's going to be hard, but you know what? That's what you're telling me. And that's what I'm accepting. And that's what I'm going to go in faith and work on from now on. So that's the difference. Well, our time is up. But we'll continue with a few more strong understandings of this chapter 1 before we go into chapter 2. But I want us to realize God speaking. You know, He may speak something to you today. I believe He could speak to many people today. In fact, we're in God's house to hear from God. He will use His servant in the pulpit. He will use the choir. He will use people around you. He will use many things today to speak to you. But you know what? When He says, open your Bibles to so-and-so, be ready to hear God speak to you through that Word. It'll make a difference in your life. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.